Hi, this is Alonzo Bowden, and welcome to Who's Paying Attention, episode 16. Can't believe I've been doing 16 episodes already, but we're into it. You guys are into it, and I thank you for that. So, let's talk about the music, because a lot of you ask about the music that plays behind my voice. It's different jazz, it's different vibes that I like. Well, guess what? I have a jazz radio show online. Well, I'm starting one. It's called Jazz Detours. You can listen to it at smoothjazz.com. It'll be a new show every Sunday morning at 10. And it's a lot of the music that you hear on my podcast. Guys like Marcus Miller, George Duke, Dave Sanborn. Lately, I have been listening to this guy named uh, Robert Glasper. Both the Robert Glasper Experiment and the Robert Glasper Trio. Phenomenal. And some of that music's going to come up here. And some of it is really out there, but it's great jazz. So uh, check it out. Check it out. Smoothjazz.com. Look for Jazz Detours. That's my show. Okay, enough of hyping the music. Let's get to the news, because what a week we had. Ladies and gentlemen, Mitt Romney spoke to the NAACP in Houston. Now, first of all, I, I have to respect Mitt for doing that, because that couldn't have been the most welcoming crowd for him to approach but he showed up and he did it and he was doing fine until you know he had to press a few buttons so the first thing he said was eliminating unnecessary and i'm paraphrasing but eliminating unnecessary programs including obamacare now you don't go to the naacp and say that Some people say that it was a code. It was like planned ahead of time. He knew he'd get booed and then they would play that on Fox News and his right wing constituency. And even if you want to say the racist constituency he's trying to pull in would be like, oh, yeah, if the black people hate him, we got to love him. I don't know if it was that calculated. I this is it. I'm not being naive, but I hate to think it was that calculated. I mean, is that what we're reduced to now we're gonna speak in code to pull in the racist vote hey listen the the black people booed me so the white people must like me so what happens if the mexicans boo what does that mean the chinese are on your side i don't know but whatever he did it but that that wasn't the funny part the funny part was when mitt said that he could do more for black people than barack obama he feels the african americans more than barack obama does Really, Mitt? Like, you said that out loud? See, that's supposed to be something that you say to yourself in your head. You know, you're like, man, these black people like me better than Barack Obama. You think that because you want to be positive. You want to feel it. But you don't say it out loud in front of people because now you just look crazy. They don't They don't even boo on that. People just look at each other like, did he just say that? Listen, Mitt, you bought your wife a few Cadillacs. That doesn't make you a brother. You didn't even put spinners on him. You're not even honorary. Stop it. You're a politician. Pandering is one thing. Ridiculous is another. Somehow, Mitt, I think a black man who grew up in a single parent household can kind of relate to other black people more so than a guy who was born with millions in a trust fund and a Mormon whose religion didn't even recognize or accept black people till 1978. So... How did you relate to us in, I don't know, 74? 
Just saying. God bless you, Mitt. Keep up the good work. Now, Mitt also called out Barack Obama on outsourcing. Said Barack Obama is outsourcing jobs. He's the outsourcing president. And Mitt would know because when Mitt goes to visit his money overseas in the Cayman Islands and Swiss banks, he probably notices some new jobs and said, hey, who hired you? Hmm, Barack Obama? All right, just checking. I'm out here visiting my money overseas. Listen, Bain Capital, they used to devour companies, divide them up. I mean, if you're old enough, if you're over 40, you definitely remember the 80s. And it was a new way to make money. It was developed in the 80s and 90s. Buy up companies, divide them up, sell them off, and cash in. Okay? And that's what Bain Capital did. Now, I know the big thing. What about Staples? Bain Capital, listen, Bain Capital invested in Staples. Granted, when Staples was small, then Staples grew. Bain Capital and Mitt Romney had nothing to do with the management of Staples. They, In other words, they didn't do it. It wasn't their brainchild. They put up the money. Kudos to them, credit to them, and believe me, they were well paid on that investment. And I'm not knocking them. I'm not knocking them for getting rich. I just knock them for saying things that are ridiculous. Mitt Romney, your party and your politics sends more jobs overseas because that's how they make money. Speaking of outsourcing and making money, the Olympic uniforms, all of the United States Olympic uniforms designed by Ralph Lauren are made in China. And people are upset, like Harry Reid, you know, is suddenly, oh, it's an outrage and it's un-American. Listen, what could be more American than a super rich guy outsourcing a product, having it made overseas, and then selling it to the United States at an incredible markup? Why, that, that's pure American. So you keep doing what you're doing, Mr. Ralph Lauren. You figured out America. Good luck in the Olympics. I <laughs> I don't I don't get mad over that. You know why? Because why isn't that in the contract? You can't get mad at Ralph Lauren for doing that. You would think somewhere in a contract, somewhere somebody would have put a clause, by the way, the US Olympic uniforms should be made in the US of A. The athletes are made in the US of A. How about making the uniforms here? Come what? Stop it. Jeez. You want them made overseas? We could have had Nike do it. They've already got the factories. Ooh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> I don't know. So what else is going on in the Romney campaign? Because Romney Romney's making some noise this week. Romney's in the press. Romney says, I never get any press. Mitt, you've been in the press all week. You've got things going on. Let's look at who's going to be Mitt's vice president. You know what I read? You know there's a rumor? Condoleezza Rice supposedly at the top of a short list. Can you imagine? And, and this is why, this is why I believe it might be Condoleezza Rice because when it came out, the story broke, came out July 12th. Okay, so it's just been in the past week. <laughs> Condoleezza Rice said, there is no way I would do this. When a politician says, there's no way I would do this, you can pretty much bet on it's already a done deal. Now, I'm not saying it's done because I don't know. Here is the, the fight, the knock. They're saying that Sarah Palin was so bad as a vice presidential candidate and created so much problem in the party that they're afraid to nominate another woman in that position. That's what a reach. Wow. Is Sarah Palin's reach so great that she could overshadow Condoleezza Rice? Listen, 
I'm no fan of Condoleezza Rice. Make no mistake. I never did Condi Rice jokes because I could never figure Condi Rice out. If you're born in the 50s in Alabama and you become like a super right-wing conservative, I don't understand that at all. So I never joked about it. But I do respect Condi in the sense she was professional. She has an education. She was a secretary of state, traveled the world. She knew what she was talking about. Condoleezza Rice is certainly no Sarah Palin. So I would hate to think that she couldn't get the job because people people like, remember Sarah Palin? Ain't voting for no woman. Is it is it really like that? Maybe maybe Romney could do a speech in code. Maybe he has a code. He's got this code against black people. Maybe he has some kind of pro-woman code. Maybe he winks and says, you know, my wife is a woman. And that means that Condoleezza Rice is okay or we're testing the waters, you know. Maybe he just shows up somewhere to bl with a black woman at random. Maybe he'll watch Oprah. That'll be the code. Mitt Romney, they'll get a picture of him watching Oprah. And if it gets positive approval, then he'll go with Condi Rice. Uh, yeah, I know it's ridiculous, but this whole speaking code thing is ridiculous. So why not play along? <laughs> I love this stuff. Now. Romney's been talking about Obama. Well, Obama had a little comment about Romney. And, and this is one of my, this is one of my, um, you know, problems with Barack Obama. Okay. Barack Obama says, we don't need no stinking tax cuts. Once again, the quote, Bush tax cuts, and, and they call them the Bush tax cuts, even though like, it's weird, like a Democratic Congress approved them under a Republican president and then taxes were cut even more under Obama or Obama maintain the tax cuts. See, here's, here's the thing. If Obama does something that they don't like, he gets full credit or full blame for it. So like the TARP bailout, damn that Obama, even though that started under Bush, right? Bush was the one who bailed out the banks in Wall Street, but that's damn Obama and it's socialism. How dare you use government money to take care of Corporations like General Motors, who is providing American jobs and saving the car industry when you should be outsourcing, you you no good socialist outsourcer. See how ridiculous it sounds when you say it out loud? <laughs> That's why you have to say it. But anyway, so so these Bush tax cuts that were lower under Obama, but they're not the same as Obamacare because you can't blame him for the blah, 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 blah. Obama says we don't need it. He says if you're rich, like he is, like Mitt Romney is, like Warren Buffett is, like Stephen King has spoken out on this and numerous other rich people, like we don't need these tax cuts. We're willing to pay more taxes to help the United States. And let me tell you something. On a good year, I fall into that category. I'm certainly not a multimillionaire. I ain't even going to lie to you guys. I wish I was, but I'm not. But could I afford to pay more taxes? Yes. Do I want to? The only reason I don't want to is because the government doesn't know how to spend the money. There's no accountability. There's a lot of waste and a lot of ridiculousness. But the United States is suffering through hard times. We have to pay down the deficit. We have to get moving again. We should raise taxes. And you know who I got that idea from? The last great president to raise taxes, Ronald Reagan. That's right. When, when the economy was in the tank in 79, Reagan took over the job in 80. He raised taxes in 80 and 81. It's amazing how St. Reagan never gets blamed for anything. I guess it was good and godly back when Reagan did it. But anyway, my problem with Obama on this tax cut deal, he promised this going into his first term as president. I wanted him to raise taxes on the rich people 
He should have done it in January, February of of 09, when he first became president, when he said he was going to do it, when he had all the political capital backing him up, because people understood it. And believe me, in 09, when everybody was losing their houses and watching their money disappear from 08, they wouldn't have felt sorry for millionaires having to pay a few more dollars. Listen, if you make half a million dollars a year and you got to pay two, three, even $5,000 more in taxes, you'll be all right. You'll survive. You won't notice. So it's not socialism. It's not the end of the world. There was a time in the United States where people pitched in and helped. So that's what you're doing. You're pitching in and you're helping. All right. So hopefully they get it right this time. Keep the lower taxes on the middle class. Raise taxes on the upper class. I'm not saying go crazy, but taxes are a long way from where they were in the 90s. And somehow people lived in the 90s. So it'd be nice for Obama to actually step up and do something that he said he was going to do years ago. Now, what else is going on out there? Ladies and gentlemen, speaking of Obama, speaking of being mad at Obama and evil Obamacare, because, you know, that's some bitch wanting to come up with a medical plan to help people who don't have medical insurance and to help more people who are on Medicaid and to, to spread the cost over a larger pool, therefore lowering the cost to each person. That's a theory. I still don't believe it's going to happen. I think the insurance company is going to work their way around it. But anyway, it's been through the ringer. It is constitutional. That's right, Rand Paul. Supreme Court made it constitutional. Well, guess who doesn't want it? Guess who will not have any of that Obamacare money in my state? Good old Rick Perry. Now, you remember Rick Perry. Rick Perry wanted to be president till he realized that took some intelligence and you had to remember your own speech. So here's the deal. Rick Perry and a few other Republican governors, Jindal out of out of Louisiana, and they, we're not taking any Obamacare money. And and Rick Perry is so full of it. First of all, Texas tops the nation in number of citizens who are uninsured. Okay, over six million people in Texas uninsured. Guess who pays for their medical care? The government does, because if you don't have insurance and you walk into an emergency room, then the hospital has to treat you by law. And guess who they bill? They bill the government. But he's not taking that Obamacare. He's not having that federal money. What are you going to do, Rick? Are you going to use the same plan you did last year when there was a drought in Texas? Have a day of prayer? Yeah, everybody just pray to be healthy. And then you'll write a secret note to Barack Obama asking the federal government to send money the same way you did during the drought. This is so ridiculous. These politicians, I mean, who do you, you talk about power grabs and all of this? It, Chris Christie, he's another one out of New Jersey. Listen, these, these people, they're okay. Okay, when you turn, if you're the governor and you turn down Obamacare, first thing you should come out and say, okay, I don't have health insurance. I've given up my health insurance. I refuse to accept any health insurance from the government. Put your money where your mouth is or, or put your insurance where your mouth is, first of all. And then maybe you can talk. Maybe you can relate. These people don't have insurance. This law is written to get these people insurance. No, the law is not perfect, but it is the law. Since when do states just decide which federal laws they can ignore? This, this is an amazing thing. This, are, are we going to get to that where states are like, you know something? I don't like that federal law. I think I'll ignore it. The federal government says, ah, that. Nah. They're from a different party, that 
Democrat. So, so if there's a Republican president, if Mitt Romney wins, then do all the Democratic governors say, yeah, we, we're not going to send people to your war. We don't agree with you. It's the United States of America, all right? The way the Constitution is written, the way the laws work, if it comes down from the federal government, it is the law. Okay, so this is Rick Perry. You don't expand a program that is not working already. How can you judge whether, quote, Obamacare is working or not when it hasn't even been implemented? It, it's not fully implemented until 2014. Parts of it have been implemented and parts of it have already worked. They're already helping the senior citizens with the cost of drugs and the expansion of Medicaid to help people who didn't have any insurance at all. But, you know, yes, the states have to pay more for Medicaid, but the federal government has to pay more, too. And our health care system is broken. Rick Perry, he's really he looks he looks very much in charge. Too bad he's not. So, in the last count, Texas had 13.6 billion in uncompensated health care costs. Wonder where that bill is going. Psst, psst. Hey, uh, Barack, here's a little bill for you. Can you cover this for me? I hate Obamacare. Can you cover this bill for me? Shut up, Rick Perry. Jeez. Man, am I, I, I'm almost ranting this week. I better slow down. I better come up with something funny. How about this for funny? Confidence in religion is at an all-time low. In the United States, and, and we are a country of religion. We're a country where people, you know, they believe whatever they want to believe. And, you know, religion provides a lot of comfort for a lot of people. So, in 1973, 66% of people... Hey, you know, they were into it. Organized religion or church, they had faith in it. They thought it, it, it made their life better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, organized religion and church ranked above the military and U.S. Supreme Court in popularity, in support, in people believing. Now, 44% of people have a lot of confidence in religion. And you know what I think it is? Because Politicians have gotten involved in religion and, and religious leaders have become political. Religious leaders used to handle religion and spirituality and they didn't tell you who to vote for. Yeah, they had meetings at church and stuff like that, but not like now. You know, you know when I knew there was a problem? When, when the religious right, and oh, I hate that term, but when they spoke out on economics, like Jesus didn't like bankers. You know, he, as a matter of fact, he specifically called out the money changers. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact quote, but basically he was going to make it more difficult for a money changer to get into heaven than to put some animal through the eye of a needle. Listen, bankers, when Jesus calls you out personally, when, when he's specific, now this is Jesus, all right, who, you know, the hookers, they were okay. They can come in. Lepers, they could come in. Poor people, he loved them. The meek shall inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. The meek as in poor people and weak people and people needing help. But he specifically called out the money changers. That, that, that. You bankers are not getting in. So guess what? If you're, if you're a religious leader, don't support the bankers. Man, I never want to be on the list of people that Jesus specifically said ain't getting in. My... My chances of getting in are slim at best, all right? I'm a comedian, and I've been described by my sister-in-law as a practicing heathen. And I, I kind of take pride in that heathen title. I'm okay with it. But I'm no money changer. 
Oh no. And then, you know, the, the whole hatred of gays, the, the anti-woman sentiment in the church, the, the sexual scandals in the church that, oh, we could go on and on. I'm not against religion. Religion works. Religion makes a lot of people feel good. Religion, organized religions do great works all around the world. People in the business of religion suck. All right. The one, you know, when Pat Robertson's talking or, or when some religious leader is like, oh, he should be killed and like, stop it. Gee, that's why people have no confidence in religion because they're, they're lowering themselves to politicians. And that's pretty low on the food chain. Politician, jeez. Okay, enough of this. Stop it. You know what I need? I need a drink. And when you need a drink, what's the best thing to do? Go for a drive. <laughs> that's right. How's this? How's this for an issue? Okay. I don't know if you're even aware of this. I mean, there are a lot of states that have drive-through alcohol, like in, in drive-up liquor stores. And of course, in Louisiana, you can just straight out buy frozen daiquiris. Yeah, I said that out loud. I just said it. You can drive up and get a frozen daiquiri. The driver of the car can get one in Louisiana. But here's the thing. You're not supposed to open it. So you're not supposed to take the plastic lid off or poke, you know, the straw through the top. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Now, why is this in the news? Because <clears throat> there's a big lawsuit going on down in, in Texas where there was a guy drunk driving, okay, killed two people. Now, he drove through the liquor store to buy his, his liquor. And they're saying if, if it's that easy, see, if you walk into a bar and you're obviously drunk, they don't serve you because they're liable. If you stumble drunk into a liquor store, they don't serve you because they know they're liable. This clown, he bought a 30-pack of beer without leaving his truck. Then he came back later and bought another 30-pack of beer without leaving his truck. Okay, then he picked up Sarah. Then they picked up Josh. And less than a half hour later, he was dead. She, I'm, I'm sorry. Less than a half hour later, Sarah was dead and Josh was seriously injured. Okay, now Kirk is serving an intoxicated manslaughter charge, but they're trying to make it illegal to sell beer or sell wine or sell liquor in a drive-thru. And guess what? They're catching a lot of flack. And you know what's interesting? It's legal in states. And yeah, you've heard me talk about the South before, but you know, Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, these states that also happen to have very liberal gun laws. Listen, why don't you guys just go for it? All right. Drive through liquor and drive through guns. Just drive around drinking and shooting. And let's see where you're at in a couple of years. Don't go to the hospital, Texas, because Perry turned down Obamacare. You have no medical coverage. So you know something? When you get shot while you're drunk driving your truck, maybe you can just take a slug of whiskey and pull that bullet out like real men did back in the old days before Obamacare. Drive through alcohol. How is that a good idea? That's the amazing thing. You're just like, who's protecting? Who's saying, yeah, I know it's a business, all right? And yeah, but it's a business. But these stores can have drive through. They can sell other things and, you know, set up a liquor cabinet and you have to get out of the truck and walk to the liquor cabinet or better yet how's this an obstacle course you can drive through to get your booze but there's like an, a couple of s turns 
you know, and maybe maybe you have to parallel park the truck before they give you the booze. And if you hit too many cones and it beeps, then it's like a video game. They're cones with electronic sensors in them. And too many beeps, you don't get to buy any booze. How great would that be? Just a little S-shaped obstacle course to drive through and buy your booze. <laughs> Man, I'm a genius. Woo. Drinking, no drinking and driving, but you can buy your drinks while you're driving. That That's just brilliant. Moving on. All right, let, let's get into some sports because you know I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a huge Clipper fan. You may not have known that, but I am. Blake Griffin, my man, the dunk king, the man who can actually fly and throws down some of the most powerful dunks that anyone has ever seen. Yeah, he needs to work on a jump shot and free throws. Just hit some of the free throws, Blake. But but I'm worried now. I'm worried because he was in, he's on the Olympic team. In practice, he hurt his knee. Now, he shattered his kneecap. He broke his kneecap before his career even started. He sat out his first year, rehabbed it, came to the league, won the dunk contest. He's explosive. Signs a $95 million contract. The knee gets hurt again. Why am I scared? Are you familiar with the Clipper jinx? Do you know how many knees, hips, legs the Clippers have taken out? Let's take a look at some of the players on the list. Ron Harper. Danny Manning, Eric Gordon, Sean Livingston, all Clippers, stars in the league, great players, signed with the Clippers, the knee explodes. The Clipper jinx is sad. It's scary. Malik Seeley, the poor guy, died in a car accident. He was a Clipper. Lorenzen Wright shot right after, you know, a few years after he retired. He was a Clipper. The Clipper jinx is scary. Blake, I hope your knee is all right. I hope you play Olympic basketball. I hope you have a long career playing NBA basketball. But be careful, man. You're a clipper. You can't just be running around, jumping, and playing crazy. You're a clipper. you got to watch yourself. Don't get hurt in Texas because there's no insurance. Finally, finally, I'm going to talk about a web series that you may or may not have seen. And if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube and watch this series. It's called awkward black girl okay and Issa or Isa Ray is the writer creator and star of the misadventures of an awkward black girl this show is so funny because she is just that you know those awkward situations like I'm not going to give away the whole series but like you're at a stop sign you know the person in the car next to you wave then you drive one block, there's another stop sign, and you look over again. Now, do you wave again? Do you have to wave at every stop sign, or is just one wave good enough? That That's an awkward situation. Or, you know, people talk to you inappropriately, or, you know, you you have a crush on somebody, but you have to work with them, so you have to... T- there's a million awkward situations. Awkward Black Girl is a brilliantly funny web series. I hope that she gets the money. I hope she gets it funded and comes back. This is the kind of thing that, in a perfect world, somebody from a network would see this and be like, wow, you did this show yourself on the web? Here's a million dollars. Let's make it a TV show. Yeah, I know it's not the same as Two Broke Girls or Whitney or, or the, you know, any of these young... Because this year on TV, like the big thing is young white girls trying to make it in a big city. Awkward black girl, the brilliant thing about it is, even if it wasn't a black girl, it would still be funny because it's just awkward situations. It's like the human condition and 
the show is just brilliant. I love it. So I hope Awkward Black Girl comes back. I hope Issa Rae finds the money somehow to make more episodes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a creativity. It's, and, and I love creativity. Speaking of which, here's a question for, oh, podcast is over. Who's paying attention? Episode 16, Alonzo Bowden. I love you. Thanks for listening. I hope it was funny this week. I hope it was informative. And I hope you tell someone about me. Now, July 15th and July 22nd, I'm going to be at the Ice House in Pasadena doing a new show or a new version of a show called In Other News. And it's going to be just like this podcast. I'm going to do an hour of comedy just based on the news. I'm going to try to make it funny. I'm going to try to make it informative. But I don't know where it's going to go. And my question to you listening to the podcast, should that be my podcast for those weeks? I'm going to record the show. Should I just put it out there as a podcast? Sure would save me some work. Let me know what you're thinking. There won't be music backing me up at the Ice House, at least not for the first two shows. I'm doing a couple in August. If you're in the L.A. area, come on down. Come see me at the Ice House in Pasadena. It's phenomenal. This is Alonzo Bowden. Again, I'm going to Smooth Jazz Radio. I'm doing jazz detours. I'm here. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. You're listening. I love you. Thank you. Who's paying attention? I am.